Welcome to Degree of Experience Podcast, Episode 4. I'm your host, Chris Bardron, and with us today is our co-host, Sir Puck. Sir Puck, hey how you doing, man? Great, great. Yourself? You doing good over there? I'm doing good, man, and I'm excited because uh, today on the podcast, we've got a special guest with us, uh, very special to my heart, because she is my wife. It's the lovely Rebecca Bargeron. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you. Glad yeah. to be here. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, and so here in Degree of Experience, this is a podcast where we reevaluate our past in order to redefine our present and future. And today we're going to be talking with Rebecca uh, about her past, uh, namely her education and how that led to her current, uh, her current job and kind of the time it took even after graduating uh, to get there. Um, but before we kind of start, I always enjoy to kind of start with this kind of question. I even asked it with Sir Puck on our first episode, but it's, uh, when you were growing up, um, what did you want to be kind of at your earliest age? That's actually a great question that I have recently rediscovered and reconnected with. (laughs) Um, when I was a child, I wanted to be three things, a teacher, an artist, and a doctor. And Really, in a lot of ways, I I wanted to be something else, but those were the only things that I really knew the names of, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll find out later how I use kind of all of those. Yeah. Actually, what I do now. That's an interesting point. You kind of do. Yeah. Um, and so as you got older, was it always kind of that trilogy or at some point did it, did it lean into a specific one for you? Uh, well, Yeah. None of my journeys in life have been linear. So (laughs) clear answers were never steady. It was more, I'm the kind of person, like I jump out of the airplane and build my wings as we go. Mm. Um, I always felt driven. I'm goal oriented, but the goals always changed. Okay. Well then, so what led you to go to college then? Uh, I never thought about not going to college. Like the, the thought of not going to college never even occurred to me. It would have been like, don't wake up in the morning. Like, that's just not an option. Was that from your parents? Mm, No, no. I think it was me. I loved school. Like the social aspect of school growing up was difficult for me. Um, early on, I was like a chubby kid. I was super smart. I got bullied at home. I got bullied at school. But I loved books. I loved learning. Um, I even remember... (laughs) Huh? Kind of like the escapism of it, you know, being able to go and like go somewhere else, read, live in books. I don't know. That's I always hear that with people in books. Yes. Yes. Very, very much so. Like I had a very imaginative inner world. I still do. Um, And learning new things was just the best. I mean, that just gave me such a sense of satisfaction and discovery and it felt like magic. Nice. That's cool. And now I can see how naturally you're just like, well, I want to keep doing this. Yes. College is the next natural course. Yeah. I mean, I was the person in middle school who was already thinking about what college I was going to go to. I was visiting different campuses with my mom, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Nice. So was it just general study that you were thinking of, or did you kind of have a mindset of like, I'll figure it out when I get there? Well, actually, that's a funny story. So I kind of 
thought doctor was the way to go. Um, so, but when I was 15, my parents found out I was smoking pot and in an attempt to get me to stop smoking weed, they sat me down and told me that doctors don't smoke pot. And so my takeaway from that was, well, that I'm not being a doctor. And so then it kind of changed for me. Um, and <laughs> because I, <laughs> wow, that's one of the most addict things I've ever heard. Is like, it? Oh, I can't, I can't do this. I have to quit to fulfill so my totally dreams. Re, uh, re, redefine the, the rules then. Oh, yeah, I can't redefine do this. I'm the dreams. I'm going home. <laughs> like I'm taking my toys and going home. Kind of. Right. Cause I can't stop smoking weed. No, no, no. All right, doctor, I can live without that. Exactly. Yeah. It totally backfired for them. That was not their intention. Yeah. Oh, that's classic. Okay. So you said, well, screw being a doctor. What, what was your idea after that? Uh, the first thing I went to school for was nursing. Okay. I figured nurses, maybe they smoke weed. So, so just a step okay. down? Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is that what you were, that's what you were enrolled in when you first went and, you know, spoiler alert people, I have a little bit of inside knowledge here, but is that what you enrolled for when you went to Georgia State? Yes. Was nursing? That okay. was the first thing I went to school for. Yeah. A little fuzzy for me too. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it would have, you know, your first two maybe three General years it's like like that yeah, yeah i mean it's your prereqs so i had to take biology and chemistry and all that kind of stuff but also all the other you know math or whatever they make you take so sure core yeah. classes so to speak yes yes well when you got to college how did you feel how'd you feel about it like being at college yeah, just was, in general yeah did you feel uh did you kind of feel the same way kind of heading into it of like oh i love learning this is great or did the smoking weed thing kind of affect things did it did you kind of get there and were you still all in when you got there i guess is really my question okay um yes i i mean i'm straight a's for the most part and all my prereqs i loved it I was still smoking weed. I was smell still drinking pretty heavily, but like I had done that since I was a child. So that wasn't really like, it didn't affect my studies. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I actually got accepted into the nursing program, like after your prereqs and it was pretty competitive. They only accept 10% of people who apply. Wow. I got in and my social anxiety was so bad that I couldn't pass vital signs because I felt embarrassed to touch people or to to move in front of them. And then oh. I couldn't pass bed making for the same reason. Like, I didn't want people looking at me. So I couldn't practice actually doing the bed because you had to do it in front of other people. Oh, wow. And yeah. so I ended up dropping out of college temporarily. Really? Because it was embarrassing to me. Yeah. That's so odd to hear. Honestly, I know. I'm so not like that today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look at me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I've always had that, uh, you know, that's always the way you've come across. So that's, that's kind of interesting. And I wonder if that was something to do with like the heavy drinking at the time or, you know, throughout it, you know, cause to me, drinking is always a, a way of avoiding things, you know? So here you were thrust into it in the middle of it. I don't know. It's well, interesting. it's a social lubricant for me too. Yeah. So like I want to, I'm sort of an exhibitionist in a way, but yeah. with what I choose to show you, mm -hmm. you know, so drinking was like, woo, let's dance on the tables. Let's have a party. Let's go. Yeah. But if I'm learning a new skill that I'm not very good at, I do not want you watching me. Yeah. 
I can see that. When you're doing yeah. something you're uncomfortable with too, I've had those moments where you're kind of like, you're concerned with what other people think. Yeah. Like why, why are you watching? Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, and I love them today. I've forgiven. I've made peace with, you know, there's no ongoing issues, but growing up, I was raised by a, a dad who was very critical. Um, and so everything I did was like, Oh, is, is it, is it the right way? Should I do it this way? Mm-hmm. And so I learned to only do things that I'm good at. Hmm. What a way to live. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't do that anymore, but right. it, that was some of my really deep healing work that I had to do. Yeah. Okay. And I guess that mentality can lead to quitting college. You're like, well, I'm not good at this, so I'm not doing this anymore. I'm out. Yeah. So when you left, was there, was there, was it just like, screw this, I'm out? Or yeah. did you have an alternative in mind? No, I went and got drunk. Nice. I mean, it was I mean, like, that's an alternative. I'm, I'm not coming back. Screw <laughs> y'all. Teachers were calling me, blowing up my phone, leaving messages. And I was like, meh. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't have a really clear memory of how long I stayed out because it wasn't very long. Because then my love of learning kicked back in. And I was like, why am I out of school? Like, I need to go back to school. Mm-hmm. So then I went back and um, studied sociology. <laughs> um, because it's interesting because now I'm a social worker, right? Yeah. Um, but when... I think I just returned and started taking some classes and there was this teacher for a sociology class that I really liked. And so I was talking to him about like my hopes and dreams and, you know, what should I do with college, all that kind of stuff. And I remember having the conversation and he actually said to me, I remember these words. He said, you're too smart to be a social worker. Hmm. Cause I was like sociology or social work. I, I love human behavior. I love understanding people. I love, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. So he was like, you're too smart to be a social worker. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I just took his words for valid, you know. I just took it for gold. Yeah. And decided to study sociology. And that's what I ultimately got my bachelor's in. Okay. With the hope that I would be a professor. So that was my next goal. Mm-hmm. Was like, I'm going to get my PhD and teach college. Oh, okay. Yeah. And a PhD <clears throat> in sociology. I wasn't sure yet. You weren't sure yet. Okay. I was just like, oh, okay, well, doctor and nursing are out. Um, I've always kind of wanted to be a teacher. I like that. I like school. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to like teach kids. That wasn't, that wasn't it. Like I wanted to teach like higher education. Mm. So then I started pursuing that. Okay. How long did that last? When did you change your mind or change your course? Um, it just took me an extra year. So like, instead of like a four year college experience, I had a five year college experience. Oh, okay. So it wasn't very long. Gotcha. Yeah. Then that gave you a bachelor's. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So what led you to go back and then get, and I guess that you already set up to go get your PhD and come back and get your master's with that. Right. Uh, Kind of. Like I said, my my journeys were never linear. Mm -hmm. They were just sort of like, I'm like bumbling along, but I look like I know what I'm doing. You do. (laughs) Like, I've learned to carry myself with a sense of like assurance and confidence, but I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, you you, you faked it pretty well, I'll say. I mean, like, I I always thought you you knew what you were going to, I mean, and I'm sure at the time, you know, looking back, rose colored glasses and all that kind of stuff, but like, I don't know. You you certainly had it more figured out, I felt, than I did back then. Um, I think if we compared 
where you were back then to where Chris was too, even from the stories that he's already told, you know, uh, I think <laughs> you were at least going through the quote unquote motions. Right. Um, but this is, I suppose, where the story, you know, as you said in the beginning, um, not using it there for a while, the education. So, yeah. Well, and uh, I, I think there was always this idea in my mind and I think this was planted by the adults in my life, like my parents and my aunt and, that like you're gonna amount to something like you're right. gonna like change the world or something you know like so like giving up and just like not doing anything or like working at just a job that wasn't an option for me mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like pressure it just felt like destiny you know like I just felt like well this is where I'm supposed to be going and I want to go this direction so let's just keep going mm-hmm. but I struggled a lot emotionally along the way you know, and so there was always this pull, this tug of who am I and depression and just all that kind of stuff. But I wasn't the kind of person who would just like give up and lie on the floor. I would be like, okay, I'm depressed. I'm having a problem. Let's like take off and backpack through Europe, you know, and maybe I can like find myself. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's more of a, you know, like, push through it and keep going and, you know, keep yourself busy, then fall into a hole, which (laughs) probably says something too, you know? Yeah. I felt like the answers were out there. I just had to find them. Yeah. You know, so it really did feel like life was sort of a video game or something. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I keep like having dead ends. Let's, let's go this way. Go around that rock. I don't know. Jump over this thing. Like try something else, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know? And so I, I kind of always had that, even though I did struggle a lot, that, like, keep keep trying. Like, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people don't have that, <laughs> you know? That's, <laughs> that's a good characteristic to have. Well, thank you. I, I think it, you know, ultimately, in the end, it it's one of my greatest strengths, which in some ways I take for granted, but you know, fast forward, I mean, I'm a therapist. And so what I get joy out of and satisfaction and purpose is helping other people navigate life transitions or decisions or finding confidence or overcoming addiction or whatever. Like, and I've done it all. Like I've, it's not like things were just easy for me. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I read it in a book somewhere, like, do this. No, I'm like, oh, I remember when I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, okay, Th- try this, you know. There's there's a, a story I love. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever watched The West Wing. Um, it's a really great TV show. It's Aaron Sorkin, which I think is he's really good with words and stories and building up characters. But there's this character interaction where basically it likens to being in a situation a bad situation being in a hole and you know the guy's down in the hole screaming for help and you know like a priest walks by and writes a prayer and throws it down to him and you know a doctor walks by and writes a prescription and throws it down in there and uh his friend comes by and sees him and gets down into the hole with him but he's like what are you doing you know we'll never get out of here and he's like well no i've I've been down here and I know how to get out. So, you know, we're going to get out together. I think that's that kind of synergistic between those two, that kind of mentality and story. I don't know. That's that's cool. 
You're yeah. like the living embodiment of that. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I feel that, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm all about kind of finding that calling that, you know, whisper, um, that's calling you and you're like, just follow that. And I never know where it's going, mm-hmm. you know, but looking back, I'm like, Oh, that's why I had to go through all that shit. You know? Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, (laughs) especially spiritually, you know, if, if, uh, I think, cause one thing kind of, it's interesting too, when you, when you did graduate and, and knowing you as we do, that there was what, like about 10 years really before you started working as a social worker, right? Yeah. Well, so, okay. So after I got my master's and that was not, it was not linear as well. Like, right. I started an applied anthropology online program. I went to massage therapy school. I, I mean, I did. Oh, I was going to do solar panels. I studied that for wow. a while. Like, and none of those panned out. But I ultimately graduated with a master's degree in social work. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was living in Texas when that happened. And um, I had a great internship. I interned at the VA. A lot of people don't get paid wow. for their internship, but I did. So I was like employed by the VA, which was awesome. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I decided to move back home, which is Georgia. And so I moved back home and I didn't really know anybody. I lost all kind of my network. I really didn't know how I couldn't find a job. Like I was applying, but nobody knew me. And, you know, it was like hard to get your foot in the door. And I'm curious, you said you got the degree in social work, but you had that teacher that you really liked that said, don't be a social worker. So <laughs> what, what changed there? <laughs> what did change? Um, I mean, that was always in the back of my head, but right, then, so you just embraced it really. Like I think, you embraced your inner self really. Yeah. I think it was like the, from early on when he said that, like, I wasn't trusting my own voice. My own voice was like social work, go, mm-hmm. go that direction. And then he said that and I was like, Oh, never mind. That's not the right way, you know? And so then I floundered around and did a bunch of other stuff and, you know, good stuff, happy stuff, bad stuff, whatever. Sure. Um, and then, Oh, I know what it was. Okay. So I followed a girlfriend out to Louisiana Um, and then that didn't kind of work out. And I had a friend who lived in Texas and he was a principal of a school and his wife was a teacher and they offered me a job to be an in-school suspension instructor. Um, and this was like, I mean, I had a Mohawk. I had just gotten back from backpacking around Europe. I was like, uh, not the kind of person you would hire to work at a school. Yeah. I think I've heard a story from this time period. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, really? Like he took me out to dinner, bought me some beer and we're sitting there drinking beer. And he's like, do you want to come work at the school? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, sure. All right. And, um, so then I worked as an in-school suspension instructor for a year and I loved it. Like working with, it was inner city Dallas. So all these kids that like, were in gangs and their parents, you know, couldn't afford the electric bill and, you know, just all sorts of inner city stuff, you know, drugs, violence, the whole bit. And I just really connected with them and started getting into that and researching like best ways of doing in school suspension, how to reach these kids. And I actually put together like a program that I wanted to implement 
for so it wasn't so punitive like you don't go to in school suspension because you're a bad kid but rather like let's help you build social skills and get organized and keep a calendar of your homework and you know more of a holistic view of helping them yeah um but my administrator basically kind of blew me off blew me off blew me off and the last day of that year I went to him and I was like you know, you, you got my proposal, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come in tomorrow and we'll talk about it. And in my immaturity at the time, I think it was one, an, another one of those times where I was just like, F it. No, mm -hmm. you lost your chance, buddy. You know? And, um, I regretted that for a long time because I, I left the school because he didn't fit my timeline, you know? And, um, but then that was what really formed the concept of me wanting to help kids. Yeah. And, um, that was the first thing I kind of got interested in with a social work perspective was helping kids. And I was like, well, let's do social work. Like I've always thought about social work. So why don't we go do that? That's cool. Yeah. That's inspiring too, actually. <laughs> yeah. You're ahead of your time because, well, maybe, I don't know, because certainly the culture has been kind of growing more towards that in all sorts of ways, you know, especially we're with accepting. dealing with addicts yeah. and alcoholics. You know, we're slowly starting to see people less as criminals and more as sick. Yeah. You know, and you had that mentality with with these kids that, you know, most people are just already, you know, turning their back on them. Saying, yeah. So. Yeah. Like there was one in particular that was really labeled as like a bad kid and kept getting sent to my office and was like really in trouble a lot. And then he was hiding it, but I finally figured out that he couldn't read. And I was like, that's why you can't sit in your class. Like that's yeah. what's going on. Like we need to teach you to read, mm -hmm. not send you to suspension, you know? That's so that's only making it worse. Yeah. Now we, now we not doing anything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Wow. Well, then maybe it wasn't a good thing that you went to Georgia. You were making, you were doing all sorts of cool stuff in Texas, making a difference already. So, so, so you came to Georgia though. So what happened then? Like why, when you came to Georgia, it took you a long time to get back into that kind of stuff, right? So I came back to Georgia. I had my master's. I had a license as a, um, licensed master social worker, and I started looking for a job and, um, I couldn't find one. And, um, my parents go, have gone to the same church for 50 years or whatever. And they said across the street from our church is, um, some type of something that does something to help people go, go ask them for a job. I was like, okay, I mean, I'll check it out. Um, you get there and it's a car wash. I know, right? <laughs> Sell donuts or something. Right. You know? Well, they help people. It's up your alley. <laughs> get a job, girl. Do you like sprinkles? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I contacted them and they actually, it was a neurobehavioral center for people with traumatic brain injuries. Um, so, <laughs> so it was... Um, you know, basically people who had strokes or car accidents or falls or whatever, brain injuries, um, and needed that level of care for people to care for them, you know, in an inpatient sort of setting. 
And a lot of them had extreme behaviors and that kind of thing, as well as medical issues. And so they didn't have an opening for like my level of expertise, um, like my degree. So they hired me as direct line staff, which meant um, I'm giving people showers. I'm changing their diapers. I'm feeding them. I'm, you know, like taking care of people physically, you know. What age were you at this time? 26? Maybe? Okay. Wait. No, being familiar with like that. Yeah. with Restore, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know if I should drop their name, but too late. I just did. <laughs> Oops. Um. Whatever. But you know. But people for the audience, people with traumatic brain injuries, it's not the safest job helping these individuals. No. Well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we were like the last house on the block. Like a lot of people are familiar with like Shepherd Center or Shirley Ryan up in Chicago or, you know, hospitals that are high tech and handle these sorts of clientele. Well, the people that got kicked out of those places because their behavior was inappropriate, either aggressive or sexually inappropriate, or those were usually the top two, um, got sent to us. So we were behavioral as well as like a medical facility. Mm-hmm. So the stuff that I saw there was, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, not stuff that other people are used to seeing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think my, my first day, um, there was a gentleman that just kept yelling, God damn it, like, da- like really loudly, like over and over and again. And I'm like, okay, is everything okay? You know, and it was just, it was, it's what's called a verbal perseveration, which when you have a brain injury, it's common to get like, um, stuck on a word. You're like on a word loop. And so he really wasn't even angry. He was just like on a word loop, you know, and he, he had no ability to make it stop, you know? So it Mm -hmm. stopped when, when his brain said it could, Yeah. you know, so it was, it was, Interesting. Yeah. I guess it's too, this is, uh, being my wife and, and, you know, hearing this story and I, and I'm familiar, uh, with, with it because later on you got into a higher position there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, you were, you were handling them one-on-one. I mean, I've heard some physically endangering scenarios there. I'm like, no, not you. No. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so my skill set, I am not the best person to like give someone a shower, that kind of stuff. Like I can do it, but I always got soaked and I always like it, like it, I wasn't very, take me back to the nursing school where like, I couldn't do the vital signs. I couldn't do the bed making, like, I'm not good at these things, but that job did give me a chance to actually heal that part of me because I had dropped out of school earlier because I couldn't do these things. And here I'm like, if I want to eat, I need to do this. And so I overcame that, but yeah, I wasn't great at it. So they started moving me to the higher behavioral patients that didn't really need help with showers, but were like violent or tried to run out the front door or, you know, those types of things, because I was better at that. Like Mm -hmm. I could understand how to de-escalate somebody and how to talk them down and be like, okay, you know, let's, let's do this or that, you know, like redirect them, keep everybody safe. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there were, I mean, many times, um, the, one of my favorite patients, he was like six, eight, probably 300 pounds. 
And I loved him. I worked with him like every day, you know, but he was aggressive. And when he would get aggressive, like I would have to call for backup and, you know, I'd have to be alone with this huge guy who's like punching the walls for a few minutes waiting on other people to come help me, you know, and that kind of stuff. Or like having to stop people from like, I had this other gentleman who liked to run out the front door and he, there's a busy road right out there. So he would just take off and like run at the road and he had no awareness that there's like cars and he's going to get hit, you know, and I would have to like stop him and you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I learned a lot. I really overcame a lot of my fears of, you know, just inadequacies and that kind of thing, self-confidence, um, through dealing with that. Um, I did that for like a year and then I decided to go sell real estate. <laughs> this is such a linear story. <laughs> yeah. Um, Why real estate? My sister's a real estate agent and she was like, come on, you can make some money. So I went to school for, I became an official realtor. I, I went to school there. I mean, I love school. Back to school. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say after I got my undergrad, I actually went back and audited classes. Because I didn't even want to leave once I got my bachelor's degree. I went back and took two classes that, like, didn't, I didn't even get a grade for. You know, I, I like school. Uh, <laughs> uh. So, um, yeah, then I went and sold real estate and made, made some money, you know, because I still couldn't find a job in my field. And then they, they called me back at that job after a year and gave me like a promotion. Um, and I went back and forth there like three times. And the last time I worked for three solid years there as a case manager. So I worked my, my, my way up to, you know, just under management, you know, Mm um, yeah. And was there for three years and I left that job. In August. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. And now what you doing? Um, now I run an intensive outpatient program for addiction and recovery. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I lead groups, I do therapy sessions and I'm also, um, really getting excited about moving into private practice, mm-hmm. um, and starting more of a therapeutic wellness uh, creative art approach, um, to therapy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's, that's what's next. And tying yeah. in the artist part, huh? Yes. All three of those. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I think there's something cool to be said about having three of those things to, as a child, you know, like there's something to be said where you're not putting all your eggs in one basket and it allowed you, like, I realized like you made, According to you guys, like an addict choice at 15 to move away from the doctor, but you still had those other two that you really valued, valued and wanted to do. And I think that's cool how really, especially with this next step you're trying to take, you know, all three of those really will wrap into it. So, um, I don't know. There's something to be said about that, not having it all in one basket and being like, I want to be an astronaut. And then like, well, no, Timmy. <laughs> and then you know that crushing defeat you know there was there was a good 
uh, pivot point. And I think that's true throughout all your story. You might view it as like wandering around and not knowing, you know, like, but like go back to that token, you, Tolkien, you know, not all that wander are lost. I think you adapted by pivoting along the way. So that's, mm. it's cool to kind of relate to me at least. Yeah. And especially to, again, to the experience that you had kind of, you know, in the gaps between all these different uh, ventures that gave you kind of the emotional experience to to want to help people kind of at the root of the problem, mm -hmm. you know, because I know there was a gap of time when, you know, you were just working, what was it, Starbucks? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and definitely, and I know personally it was kind of an emotionally hard time for you. Um, well, that was, yeah, so two, no, 2016, 15, 2015, um, my my drinking got out of control and led me to another dark, um, emotional place where I started to feel suicidal again. And, um, you know, I, I had to look at that, you know, and I can't really blame it on where I was in life or anything. I think I just, you know, wasn't making sense of things, drinking excessively. I think I've always kind of had that, that alcoholic bug in me. I mean, I started drinking when I was eight. Um, yeah. so it's been something that's been throughout my life. Um, but at that point I was like, Oh my gosh, something really needs to change, you know? And, um, I was either like being suicidal. I'm like, okay, am I just going to kill myself or am I going to, I guess to use your word, Tom, like pivot again. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, let's pivot. So what do we do? You know, and I started going to 12 step meetings. I got sober. And in that I left, um, I left that job, um, that I was talking about with the traumatic brain injuries and went to work for Starbucks. And at this point I had a master's degree. I had a licensed, you know, associate level therapy license. I had years postgraduate experience and I went working for basically minimum wage to focus on my health and, you know, well-being. Mm -hmm. And I ended up doing that for three years. And wow. the, the funny thing is that I, I do adapt. You know, it's funny, like, hearing the feedback, you know, because I'm like, yeah. Because then I was like, well, maybe I'm just supposed to be like a Starbucks store manager, you know, and so that, that then I got on that track and I was like, okay, let's do this. You know, that'll be fine. I remember that month. Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, that was That's probably an easy out too. Cause I mean, you worked at Starbucks young when you're younger too. So it's like, yeah. I was going to make a joke where you're just trying to work at Starbucks, you know, every decade for <laughs> like what's going to happen <laughs> in the next decade. <laughs> I've worked at Starbucks more than I have any other job. I think I have yeah. a total of eight years there. So yeah, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. But then we started having children and so that kind of came into it. And honestly, had I not had children, I probably would be a store manager right now, but sure. really it was income. That was really yeah. what made the difference because I didn't really want to go back to that job it was stressful like the case management brain injury job it was stressful and you know it was just a lot of work a lot of responsibility and but we were having kids and I was like I can't be making like eight bucks an hour like I, I need to go make more money you know sure. and um so yeah had it not been for that I 
probably would be managing a store right now. Yeah. Kids are worth it. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. Yeah. yeah. Kids are great. <laughs> um, so one thing that's on my mind to ask, though, is because it's really interesting considering how when you were in a dark place, it's suicidal. <clears throat> With your knowledge base, was your experience sort of like, well, I know what to do? Or was it, do you feel like it hindered you in any way? I don't know. Was it, was it easy or difficult to do the things that, because that's one thing when you're telling other people how to resolve their own problems. But I'm curious if you had a different experience kind of now you were the one suffering from some of these things. Yeah. Um, so kind of back to like, I've learned, I think from such a critical um, upbringing to have confidence no matter what like to show up and be strong and, you know, best foot forward that when I'm in my dark places, I'm in denial of it. Like I see it, but I'm like, Oh, it's not that bad. Like I'm, I'm really okay. Like don't worry about that. You know, um, bullheaded almost right. Like kind of stubborn about it. Like yeah. it's there, but you don't want to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like I don't, it's not even like I'm like, oh, I'm depressed. Maybe I should go see a therapist, you know, or something. <laughs> like, I don't even have those conscious thoughts. It's more just like, come on, Rebecca, get yourself up. What are you doing? Like, let's go. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we don't have time for this. That's what my internal clock says, you know, or my internal thinking. We don't have time for this. Get up. People are counting on you. You got to do this anyway. It doesn't matter how you feel. Come on. Like, those sort of things. And... But at the, at the core of me, I always still do have that like spiritual seeking self. So I will move towards the light. Um, it might take me a long time to get there. It might not feel comfortable, but like, again, like we talked about before, I'm not the one that's just going to be like, well, I'm just going to lie here and do nothing. Like that is not in me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, let's keep moving. Even if I'm moving in the wrong direction, I'm just going to like, let's keep going, you know? Yeah. So yeah, looking back, there were definitely some times in my life where I should have sought mental help, mental health help, and I didn't. Um, no. Why? Hmm? Why? Did you feel like I don't need mental health help because I am <clears throat> my mental health help? I can just help myself. Or... Well, it just goes back to that thinking that like in the moment, I I didn't even see that as an option. Like I didn't, it didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah, the denial. It's like a mental blind spot, you know? Um, no, I've never shied away from help, but the ways that I have <coughs> actually participated more in my mental health has not been more traditional. It's not been like therapy or treatment or it's been like AA, Al-Anon, um, Also, I was really involved with transformational psychology programs, which is kind of like woo-woo out there stuff. But um, I did that for years in my 20s. And that actually made the biggest difference in my life. Interesting. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And look at you now. Look at me now. Yeah. And and again, I think it's, it's, it's really cool hearing the full tale of how, you know, you you wanted to be a doctor, an artist, and now and now and a you teacher. and a teacher, and now you're combining all this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, with the art therapy you're going into. 
mm-hmm. you know, and the venture that we're looking into. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's too soon to announce it. I mean, no, I mean, okay. uh, but you know, creative transformations. You know, we're mm-hmm. looking on opening an art therapy center. Yeah, can yeah. mm. all come full circle for you. It is. Well, it's <laughs> like, um, like, like in that little show, Frozen. That movie, Disney movie, you know, like actually the second one, she hears that call, you know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, you know, like it's just how closely do you listen? I think we all have that call, but it gets clouded or covered or muffled by other things. But for me, I'm like a hundred percent in, I'm going after that call, you know, and I don't care like where it takes me or how many times I fall down or whatever. I'm like, I want it. All I want is more and more clarity about that call. And so that's kind of what I've always done, you know? Yeah. It's really cool. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. For coming on and sharing all that with us. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, Tom, you got anything else you want to ask or say before we wrap up? No, I think uh I think that was really well said and I think there was a lot of a lot of good takeaway from there. I think there's a lot of different points that people could relate to, um, which is great. That's uh what we're trying to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was great. I got a little teary eye, so you know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess my biggest message is just, like, everybody has a call. And it doesn't have to look the way other people have told you or culture has told you or what you're supposed to do or whatever. Just try to hear it. Like, quiet yourself enough that you can hear it. And it may be college. It may be a job. It may be kids. It may, Or it might just be kindness, compassion, you know, like... Mm-hmm. It could be that simple. And I don't think it's always necessarily an associated physical, tangible, showable, provable sort of thing. You know, I think it's a more often than not, it's a sense of being like who you are. And then you show up in whatever you do as yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. I'm just taking that in. I was like having this little pause moment. I'm like, usually people be freaking out about dead air, but I like that. It's just taking that in. Yeah. Breathe it in, as our, our pastor would say. Breathe that in. Well, thank you again. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us. Uh, again, this has been Degree of Experience. And... um so as we head out, I uh, just want to remind everybody about our, uh, this is a value for value podcast. So um, if you got something out of what you heard today, feel like you got some value out of it, we just ask you, please uh, put a number on it, return that value um, at value.degreeofexperience.com. Um, but also besides financial donations, um, you know, anything of value we would appreciate. So also your time and talent can count. Uh, so review us on your app that you're listening with or uh, tell your you friends, want... tell your family. Yeah. Tell your friends, social media it up. Um, and also call to any artists out there, uh, that get inspired. Uh, uh, art submissions would be fantastic. We, we got to do something about this logo, man. 
It's not uh, bad, but it is it is the colors of y'all's high school. And as somebody from the high school across town, I just I can't really bear it. It's it's a little it's a little on the nose for me. <laughs> I know, actually, it is kind of growing on me, though. Of uh, course it is. Yeah. Right. Well, again, this has been Degree of Experience. Uh, thank you all for coming. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for having us. has a call and it doesn't have to look the way other people have told you or culture has told you or what you're supposed to do or whatever just try to hear it like quiet yourself enough that you can hear it and it may be college it may be a job it may be kids it may or it might just be kindness compassion you know like mm-hmm. it can be that simple and I don't think it's always necessarily an associated physical tangible showable provable sort of thing you know i think it's a more often than not it's a sense of being like who you are and then you show up in whatever you do as yourself